1: Hello, my name is Annie McManus. Welcome to Changes. This week's guest is one of the most beloved broadcasters in the UK. Her name is Sarah Cox. Currently BBC Radio 2's Drive Time host, Sarah has grown up in our public consciousness. We know her for being relentlessly funny and incredibly warm and self-deprecating and just deliciously northern. Her Bolton accent always shining through. She started out as a model before turning to TV. Maybe you remember her on Channel 4's The Girly Show in the 90s where Sarah looked after a feature called Wanker of the Week where, along with hand gestures, she would meticulously explain why said person was a total wanker that week. Um, She went on to work at Channel 5, presented MTV Hot and then became a regular on The Big Breakfast where she did interviews in what was set up as her father's caravan with people like Robbie Williams and Leonardo DiCaprio. She was in her early twenties. She was beautiful. She was ballsy, and she was effortlessly funny. And because of her charisma, people just talked to her. She was always in the papers. She was always in gossip magazines. And she went on then to get the, one of the biggest gigs in broadcasting in the UK, uh, the breakfast show on Radio One, following in the footsteps of Chris Evans and Zoe Ball. It was at Radio One that we met and subsequently became friends, which you will hear about in this episode. Was since then. Sarah has moved on to Radio Two and has kept a career in television alongside that. She hosted that wonderful show, The Great Pottery Throwdown, for a while, and her own book show is still on the television. Uh, it's called Between the Covers, and that goes out on BBC Two. It's a big contrast to Wanker of the Week, I think you'll agree. Sarah has also turned her hand to writing herself. Her best-selling memoir is called Till the Cows Come Home, and she has a novel out called Throne, and is working on her second novel now. So. Sarah came round to my house one night at the end of summer, actually. It was a very hot, balmy night. She'd just finished her radio show. And we went down to the rave shed and had this conversation. Let's get into it. Sarah Cox, welcome to Changes.
2: Hi, babe. This is a nice treat.
1: Are you nervous about this? Real talk. I'm doing a sweat check. You don't my do, palms. you haven't, I've, I was just like looking it up, you haven't done that many podcasts. I don't do
2: many podcasts, I say not a lot of them, because I just feel like, you know, I'm talking at a lot of people for three hours, Monday to Friday, so when I get asked to talk more, I'm just like, no. No,
1: you're good, thanks.
2: I just, I've, I'm gonna, I'm. there'll be a day where I'll just run out of words, Yeah, and I'll just be you know, I'll have to then communicate through modern movement and dance. They, nobody wants that.
1: They won't though. And that's why you have your job. Because they'll never be, that day will never come. Your mouth will be still moving <laughs> if you're unconscious. You're just, it it like, it's muscle memory. It just what, won't be able what, to stop.
2: What, what, were, what were her last words?
1: <laughs> she kept talking, even when she was dead. She, <laughs> she was just, still. <laughs> she was throwing her head to it. on. She was throwing her head to wham after this trail. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about change. Yeah. How are you with change? Gosh, that's a really
2: good question. I don't think I'm very good with change. Right. It's complicated, isn't it? Because I feel like change is actually really good for you. To embrace it is healthy and to, you know, I'm obsessed about this podcast I heard years ago. It wasn't a podcast actually, it was like a Radio 4 thing and it was Armando Iannucci and he was talking about when you're little, time goes really slowly because when you're six you know everything is new in the world and you're having new experiences all the time and as you get older time goes quicker and he was really exploring why and how the brain handles time and how your perception of time going quicker and it's because you don't do anything new as you get older right so there's no little markers dropping in your brain like today I learned this I saw this for the first time yeah. I sat on one of these for the first time I ate this for the first time you don't have these first time markers anymore so you're your brain wave just goes like yeah I mean that's not scientific but, but it sounds it, accurate ooh yeah, yeah. it flatlines flat yeah lines. time yeah. just then slips through your fingers and I think change is something that is helpful to drop those little markers you know when things when things happen in life because it's a new event
1: it's so true that's exactly mm. what it is but do you find that that's happening less now
2: well I'm trying to make change happen
1: yeah
2: I'm trying to things I'm trying to I'm, I'm learning Italian on an app are you babe
1: I'm learning Irish on si. an app are you yeah sure <laughs> uh how's learning, it going I didn't know you were doing that I've been doing that for like um three months four months now okay I'm on yeah. a 108 day streak babe are that's lingo.
2: no I'm on plensure
1: okay so interesting so you're trying to learn like I, we're both doing the same thing
2: yeah, because I feel like it's... I mean, my brain must be like... It's good for your brain, that. So crisp, you know. And I, do, I wasn't great with languages at school, but no, it must just be yeah, like,
1: yeah, you know. It's good to exercise different parts of your brain, isn't it? Yes. And, and I think you and I, I don't want to speak for you, so please contradict me if I'm wrong, but I think we are maybe similar in that there's a lot of just trying to hold life down. There's an element of kind of, for me anyway, of like change being inconvenient. Because Mm. you're just doing so much you can to kind of hold everything down and keep everything floating, run the house and remember everything and do everything. So sometimes it's just like, I don't have time for change. Mm. As lovely as it sounds, no, I don't have time. I just have to get through this week and this week and this week. But um, whenever it does happen, then you realize how important it is and how much you need it. Yeah, I
2: feel like I get very, uh, like I really just want to get back to my little nest Yes. Too
1: much. Yes, we were talking about that. Uh, when yeah, we, and yeah. I'm
2: trying to get out of that habit because I think my husband's quite like that, Ben's quite like that, and I think that really has an influence on you. Like, you know, whatever your partner does obviously has a massive influence on you. Mine, mine doesn't drink and is quite happy to chill at home and loves being at home. Yeah. And so that then obviously influences, you know, your behaviors as well. So, I mean, I'm pleased he's not going out to all night drum and bass raves on a Tuesday.
1: Yeah, I think if you had to choose one or the other.
2: Yes, I'd absolutely. The first one is better. 100%. But at the same time, you know, when I do go out, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, go out blinking into the world like a little mole (laughs) (laughs) from its hole. Like, oh, there's a world out (laughs) there.
1: Let's talk about the change that happened in your childhood, like the biggest change, would you say, or the most impactful change for you?
2: I think the most impactful one was probably when we moved. Basically, I was born and raised in in Bolton, and then we moved out of Bolton just for a few years. So it was for the last year of primary school. Right. And what changed was there had been a bit of an uplift in my mom and stepdad's fortune where they basically got to run a conservative club they're sort of like licensees by trade right so before that there'd been a lot of unemployment with my stepdad my mom holding down two or three jobs um it wasn't quite Angela's ashes. My yeah, mum goes yeah. mad at me. <laughs> me going, <laughs> there's 18 of us sharing one pair of pants and we lived in a crisp packet. And she's like, baby, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, yeah, sorry. But, the, you know, she worked really hard, my mum. And yeah. then... They were doing holiday relief at various different sort of like weird pubs and stuff. What's, I'm so, what is holiday relief? Well, you fill in for somebody on holiday. So some, ah. you know, some uh, people who run like a, a... Their own business or their own pub a, a or pub, something. yeah. Right. Anyway, they then got to be steward and stewardess of Boothstown Conservative Club. Sort of on the outskirts of Manchester, about 20 minutes away from where I'd been brought up, perhaps a bit longer. And we lived in the um, accommodation that was attached to it. Who's we? Me, uh, my sister. I've got two sisters, two brothers. It was me, my next up sister. The other Mm -hmm. ones were big and grown up. And it was just a bit of an upswing for us as a family to me because suddenly they were working and had jobs. And I went started off at a new school, a primary school, And I made some really lovely friends there and felt really secure. It was around the corner from me. It was just quite a big change to be in this new area, making new friends. And then before I knew it, we were starting at the secondary school. And actually, my first year at the secondary school there was lovely at Bedford High School got the bus there with our little pals from primary school. Mm. It's probably my happiest time at school because when we moved back to Bolton, mm. I kind of got bullied quite a bit because I was the new girl again. But, you know, it was a real shame because I was really settled. I loved Bedford High. It was mm. a really nice school. You know, we got up to scrapes. Like I would Nick a couple of my stepdad's fags when he was having a snooze in between shifts at the Connie Club, and we'd go over... And like that thing when you're little, where you like break into the school playground where you spend all your time anyway, yeah. and then that's where you go in your spare time because it's so the jeopardy of yeah, being yeah, there yeah, when yeah. you're not supposed to be there. Yeah.
1: Um, so how many years were you at this school then before you, in
2: that secondary before you went back? We might have just started the second year and then I moved. Right. So right. not long at all really, yeah. it's a real shame. But for for months, for years afterwards, I would get two buses from Bolton to go back and hang out at Boothstown. Really? On the precinct there. Because you
1: had those friends that you had, you were able yeah. to keep. So I just you kind stuck of clung with them. on to them, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Walking through fields, trying to get to the bus stop for the last bus yeah. stop. Babe, and... but I
0: never knew
1: that you were bullied, and I can't imagine you Did being you bullied.
2: Oh, I was really bullied. I I'm can't... quite soft. I am I quite can't... soft. It's Even in recent years, if there's like, not so much, but... knocking 50 now, I'm definitely definitely toughened up but it's taken like 50 years god you know I'm quite soft I'm quite like if I feel I can I can even make myself get a bit hot thinking about it you know that feeling like it wasn't getting like battered it was stuff like it was the classic Hate to say it of girls doing that bit of a whispery thing in class, oh, no. all that little just trying to trip you up as you walk, yeah, as you're all waiting outside the classroom to go in, mm. you know, a little elbow here and there, a little bit of like ganging up, and you know, a bit of your, your friends not really wanting to stand up to stand up for because you because they don't want to then get in the firing line, yeah. themselves. although. I did make friends, really two nice friends there who I'm kind of in, in touch with and they sort of looked out for me a little bit.
1: But did it affect your learning? Did you lose confidence in that stuff as well? Like, did that well, did you it Well, you I very... I was <laughs> very academic. Very, yes. I mean... <laughs>
2: I was, what I was going to say was another A word, which was average. You right. Know, I was very average as a pupil. I was average at everything. I mean... I was in every sports team going and I was the worst player in every one. Like, you know, I think I just like the smell of minibuses. I don't know what was wrong with me. I was like the real lame duck of every team without fail. Hockey, oh, I could never get the stick the right way around. It's impossible, isn't it? Still now, you've got to you only hit it with a flat side. What's the point of that? I'm like, oh, so complicated.
1: So you you were the youngest of five. Yeah. As the youngest of four, I have mm. a- opinions on like how that shaped me. I suppose how has it shaped you being at at the kind of the end of a of a big family like that?
2: Well, I, I guess there is an element of like by the time it comes to number four or number five, your parents have just done so much parenting that they're, they're done been, like oh yeah done. we're done now yeah. go on get on with it. There's a little bit of that and there's a little bit of being indulged if you're mm. the baby, you know, yep. because you'll always, you'll forever be the baby. You'll forever be, you know, the cutest one, the youngest one. And I think you sort of naturally play up to that a little bit yeah. by wanting to, you know, make people laugh or, yeah. you know, I could always, you know, wrap my dad around my little finger. The same dynamics are still there. Mm it's so bizarre you get you get older and it, nothing changes it's the, the same dynamics with your siblings yeah you know like we uh i went away to italy for a weekend with my mom and my next sister up who's four years older she's really good with languages she'd brushed up on her italian mm-hmm. and this was before i started learning and we were in bologna and you know, I'm a grown ass woman, and my sister was like ordering stuff and, yeah. and doing all the accent, and yeah. I just regressed. I was like twelve. I was like, oh my god, she's doing accent four even. Mm. You know this kind of thing because she was always so smart and always so good at languages and stuff. And I was always a bit jealous. Yeah. But given half a chance behind her back, I used to like show off about amazing how amazing yeah. she was. Yeah. You know, my sister worked in Paris when she was at university, and. Uh, yeah. A taxi driver thought that she was French-Canadian because her French is so amazing and her accent so amazing they thought it was her first language. You know, that's like why I used to trot that story out because I was so proud of her underneath yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. when you're there and you're in the moment, you know, you just regress, it's don't crazy. you? It's crazy. It's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah.
1: I do it every time I walk through the front door of my house in Dublin. Yeah, where you're just suddenly a and teen all again. The, all the siblings regress into the roles that they wear. Yeah. So my role as the youngest, was definitely the kind of diplomat, the unofficial, mm. like, keep everyone happy. Oh, really interesting. Make everyone laugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to
2: massage the mood and change the ambiance. There was a bit
1: of that, because there's a divorce in
2: our family and it hit the older ones much more, you know, it affected them much more than me and I was quite young. What age were you? No, you know, I think I was like six, seven. Right. And they were all much bigger and teenagers and stuff, especially the older ones. So it was much harder for them. So I think there was an element, a little bit of people putting on a brave face when I would come sweeping into a room because I wouldn't really understand what was going, what on. Was going on or yeah. why people were upset. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I probably got used to that. Like, oh, yeah. when I walk into a room, people yeah. start smiling at me. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, a, there's an expectation. Then, <laughs> fast forward. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to Michelle, you know. I, oh, God, reel it in. Well, let's fast forward then. And in preparation for this, I had a little look at you as a young Woman on television, <laughs> fucking hell, babe! The girly show, the wanker of the week. I, mean, I wrote all my
2: own wankers, Did you? you know. I wrote my wankers because I really recognise that from your Radio Two links. Yes, yes, yeah, and that, and I, and I really, was so really proud clever of them. writing. I was really proud of my wankers. <laughs> I would, I remember now at the offices in London's Notting Hill, at the uh, Rapido offices. You know, we made the crazy shows with, uh, yeah what's it called that French Jean-Paul Gaultier and all that they made yes, all those yes. crazy shows and Rapido TV and all that and I remember being in one of the little offices there and going I've written a wanker I think it's quite good yeah I think it's okay and like reading it out for them and they were yeah. they encouraged it yeah. You know? yeah 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 here's enough rope yeah. <laughs> hang yourself on TV
1: babe. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks>. great <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's funny, isn't it? That that's, yeah. yeah, and then and the big breakfast, yes, presenting that um, with Johnny Vaughan, who oh, I completely forgot about as a human being. My yeah. bad. Remembered him when I saw that. He was a very good TV presenter. He was great on telly. Yeah. he
2: was. I loved Johnny. He was so quick. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing on the Big Breakfast was everybody was kind of like 25 and under. All everybody, every cameraman, every camera woman, every sound recordist. Everyone was young. You look like working such hard, a baby. partying you hard. Look like like I like such a, a
1: baby. Yeah.
2: yeah, I was a babe. I was a little babe. What was I? like? What 20, would you been? Uh, Early maybe 20s. like twenty-three. Yeah, twenty-four maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had no fear. Yeah. There's a famous clip where Johnny goes, "What are you up to for the rest of the day, sir?" And I go, "I think I'm just going to go home." and...
1: Make love? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone pisses themselves. It this is, is just sad. after he's been with the new, the morning newspapers or something. And he's just going to make make love. And and then there's a big laugh. And then you go, if he's up for it, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, the camera whizzes. You know, they've
2: got the family of the week there yeah. and stuff. Like, kids. I'm just like, no fear. It's like, why not say it just to get a laugh? But I remember saying, you know, I'd never try and say it to like, try and be sexy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah, to... Yeah. Try and make people laugh and say the unexpected, but also they're creatively. They were brilliant at the Big Breakfast. You know, they let me be Doctor Cox where I'd stick on a massive mustache and review CDs, and I'd be like sniffing the CDs and that. And I was like this grubby kind of (laughs) doctor, like, well, let me have a look. This is a new one from (laughs) Jamelia. Like it was. They were just, and I'd have a guest sat there with me, and like. And I still get asked now, like, was that your, Was that really your dad's caravan in the big yeah, breakfast yeah. garden? <laughs> no, it was your day. What, the one with a man playing a keyboard in the toilet? No, that wasn't real. <laughs> Gosh. The big breakfast, I was. I would do a lot of holiday filling or I would go on and do different little slots on there, like in yeah. the caravan. And, yeah. And it was great. And I was around the corner from here and, you know, they'd... Where I live, the little flat, it's actually quite nice now. I could throw a scone from your front Where door and it hit man? it. It's on the end of your street, right out your door, the last one on the left. You used to live on there, this street? Yeah. How did on I? On the live? first floor flat, I've definitely told How you. How did I? Oh, we might have had a wine. My I've bad. definitely told you. But yonks ago because you gave be a wine. My or, memory. You know? And it was when um, it wasn't quite as nice around here. There's a yes. lot of graffiti on the wall. Yeah. Like be, cars from the BBC used to come and just be like, this can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> And ring on. Be down in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my poor mum used to come to this scruffy little one-bedroom flat. Don't smoke now, obviously. Yeah. But she used to come in and just first thing. I mean, she she'd barely got her coat off. Kettle would be on first, obviously. Second, she'd be washing me ashtrays. <laughs>
1: Like, Hi! And one of the clips on the Gurdy Show I watched, she was in the audience as well during Wanker of the Week as well. It's just <laughs> like, wow! What did she make of it all? She's
2: always loved it. My mom, she's awesome. She is four foot eleven. Of like, she's a she's a firecracker. She's incredible. You can chuck her into. Any social situation, and she'll just fly. Wow. She can mingle, she can mix, she can talk to anybody. She's brilliant, and she's always been a massive support and always loved it. I think it was harder for my dad because, you know, dads and their little girls. Of course. He was like, he was literally like, uh, so Are you, you got to uh, like, carry on with that telly then? Because you're like, your modelling were nice and that when you're just <laughs> basically going, when you were just a photograph and you we weren't talking, calling people wankers. <laughs> No, Dad, sorry. I really like <laughs> Uh Okay. Um, but for Mom, I mean, she absolutely loved her. Like, we used to go out. We used to go out with, like, Will, you know, from TFI Friday. Yeah, yeah. I loved yes! Will. He yes! was a good mate. We used to go out, I'm proud to say I gave my mum my worst ever hangover, <gasps> drinking champagne till like 5am at the Met bar. Oh my god,
1: it's so brilliant, I it's so, 90s. It's I so it. 90s, I it's so love
2: 90s. it, I love it. left Jean in one corner, Donna <laughs> coming over to say hi with the
1: Appleton sisters, it was oh! the best, so good. Oh my god. Do you have many memories of um, the 90s, babe? Well, yeah, I've got like little
2: snapshots. I've got a heat magazine. <laughs> Basically my diary. <laughs> Just looking at heat magazine. Oh God, I was there on Primrose Hill with Snoop. <laughs> poor dog. Oh, Snoop. Bless him. Snoop. Still got his ashes by my bed. You, have you, babe? He was in the pantry for a bit, like near all, he was near all like the breakfast cereals and stuff. I was like, this is too risky. Like, oh. Thinking he's a bit of wheat but, bran yeah, exactly. or something. <laughs> like, I think it's off. <laughs> sprinkled some on no mom you've eaten snoop um yeah he's by my bed bless him yeah I remember loads of it I mean I was kind of I worked quite hard for quite a lot of it yeah but then I also kind of parted hard you know Mm. and you know my career might have taken a different trajectory if I had reined in the party in a little bit. But having said that, I wouldn't be sat here now probably with you. Mm. I, if I'd have reined in my party, and I certainly wouldn't have met my husband at Glastonbury. That's true. <laughs> that time when you yeah. were there, yeah, the man who's now my husband. So, you know, I will take it. I will happily take all my bad behaviour and keep it, thanks, and not swap anything.
1: you say is the biggest change you've had in your adult life?
2: Well, I want to say my husband, but that's just too cringe, no, it's not. isn't it? Is that of course, I'm it's right? fucking
1: not. There's been some, especially in the context of him being a second husband. I think that's yeah. that's interesting. But tell me, tell me what you,
2: you- know. I don't want to see see him as a second chance. Yes. Because that does him a, a, a disservice. But yeah. I was in a really unhappy place and in a really unhappy marriage with a young child, and. You know the Carly Simon song like I, I wasn't looking but somehow you found me yeah just sums up you know how I feel about about Ben really about just thank fuck like it freaks me out like if we yeah. hadn't have met
1: like what the hell
2: how different the last 18 years would have been and i'm sure a lot of people who were lucky enough to have met their soulmate feel like that i think that's quite common to be like mm. you know shit what if yeah you know and i'm just so you know i'm really i'm really grateful for him and for sort of the changes that he brought about in my life
1: and what were they taught me through some of what that looked like well i guess just felt like.
2: maybe at last i felt a bit looked after okay which is... After w- a very wild time. Yeah. Like, it was
1: so intense, work-wise, pressure, yeah. being in May- the spotlight.
2: Yeah, where well, maybe you'd think Coxie is the last person who needs looking after, but actually I not, think I was... Not at all. Yeah, I think Quite I was opposite. ready to be kind yeah. of protected. I was going to say reined in a little bit, but what we did was we, we parted and then slowly over the years we've reined each other in yeah. and we've both got to a really good place. So that actually... We're in a really good space where we can concentrate on our careers and look after ourselves and enjoy Yeah, you know, just life together.
1: Yeah. So tell me what Ben did. I
2: wasn't supposed to be choosing Ben, you know, as a change. Was that was that a last minute? Yeah, that was a bit of a last minute because Ben has massively affected the person I am and my confidence or what I'm about and whatever shit is going on, we can we will always be able to laugh and try and equip each other
1: yeah whatever's going on yeah what did he say on the night that you met him that made you realise he was the one well or do he within reason (laughs) (laughs) what happened was was
2: that one of my really good mates at the time I was there with her and her boyfriend was a friend of Ben's and so all that happened was that the four of us parted and I within half an hour or an hour of meeting him, maybe within an hour of meeting him, we were like one of us went like champagne like, let's yeah. get a bottle let's get a bottle of booze or a yeah. glass of booze but let's get a bottle of champagne or a carver or whatever. Anyway, so we squeezed through to the bar and stood at the bar and I think I went I'll go and get it, and then when I went to get it, I noticed basically what I noticed was he was watching he was watching me, but he was watching over me, yeah, like keeping an eye on me, yeah because I was kind of quite, I was really recognizable then, and I yeah. was young, and I had that sort of reputation for being like, woo, like you could yeah. come up and shout something. Yeah, yeah, you know, something in your banter face. We're yeah, yeah. actually quite, yeah, no, yeah I'm, you I'm not shy, but I'm yeah, quite yeah. laid yeah, yeah. back, and when I'm, you know, yeah. when I'm out, I'm not necessarily jazz-handing everywhere. And so, you know, I would attract that sort of attention, and he just watched over me and was just making sure that I was all right. I'd never really had that before. And wow. it was a real eye-opener. And it's mm-hmm. such a simple little thing. And also, he was just, you know, he was just really hilarious and lo- and lovely. And, you know, kind of hot. He was kind of hot. And so, yeah, I was just really attracted to him. Just thought he was really lovely. Nothing could happen at the time, obviously.
1: I remember um, the next day. So I had ne- to make
2: my excuses and leave. But, yes.
1: And the next day, you... The next day, you couldn't... You didn't have a voice. You laid
2: the foundation stone upon which we became our friendship friends. is built because you
1: did me a solid, as they say. So you had, to co- you had to host a show in the afternoon. They were joining all the presenters up to co-host that day and I was chosen to co-host with you and you couldn't talk. Well, you could, but I it sounded like that. I mean, I couldn't even do that much. Yeah. It was awful. And uh, so we had to go around the whole of Glastonbury <laughs> to go up the healing fields, do some pottery, which is lol, because look at what happened later on in your career. Um, oh, my God. And we had to meet people and we had to go to all these different towns. Oh. But actually, funnily enough, I remember going up to the Stone Circle, of which there's a lovely photo of us somewhere. Some yeah, photo a Yeah, gorgeous photo of you and me with Glastonbury behind us. And some guy coming up to you. And really like being really full on and over-familiar and you were just not having it. You were just like, no, I don't want it. And I remember being like, whoa, that's not okay. How he fucking just, like, it's something about radio, isn't it? Where people are so over-familiar. And then that joined up with telly as well. Yeah, Mm. I think
2: people are often surprised that I'm not like, oi oi, like (laughs) 24-7, you know. Now, obviously, it's calmed down. Although, getting the tube on the other night, someone went... Sarah Cox, me in the tube. Oh my God, and no! And I looked, and like you know, this guy sort of went <laughs> thumbs up at me, and I was like, yeah. mm, and I was yeah. probably looked a bit grouchy, but I'm like, shut up! I might yes, like, just do. I was embarrassed because i yeah, of course I'm then just the just whole like, tube looking at and you. I was yeah. like, yeah, and like, I scurried off. But yeah, I would get quite a bit of that. But you did me. I mean. Yeah, you really looked after me for that whole show, so thank you. <laughs> thank God, man, I said, thank you. Yeah, I literally couldn't speak because I'd just been up all night for the
1: best time. Well, Whanging it is on. Glastonbury, come on. Yeah. So let's talk about work really quickly and how your attitude to work has changed mm. because you, in my experience, are always such a grafter. And And um, yeah, I was interested in your your kind of feelings about working and ambition and all of that business you have had such a long and successful career, like you've really stuck it out. We're yeah, so- I mean, I've been, lo- I've been knocking around for so long now. Yeah, but day. you've managed to stay at a really amazing level of mm. success where you've kind of met, you've grown yeah. and you've grown all gracefully in everything you've done and you've you've got your book show, you did your Great Pottery Throwdown, you do Radio Tuna. So it's kind of like you, you've managed to make everything work for you as you've grown older. There was definitely some
2: dips, but I managed to disguise them A little bit as being like maternity leave. A bit like (laughs) maternity leave. Yeah, I really love spending time with my babies. Got no job the job. <laughs> no, it was kind of like after kids things would yeah. be a bit quieter but actually it was fine because then I was around for the kids a bit more. So on the quieter time, so it was very much transitional time between things tailing off at, Radio, at Radio, One. Radio 1 then picking up with Radio 2. There was a sort of quieter years towards the tail end of Radio 1. And I I used to joke that I I spent you know the second decade of my career making up for the you know trying to change people's minds yes. about the first decade of my yes. career yeah so it took a long time for perceptions to change that you know I wasn't just gonna run on the telly and call people a wanker yeah you yeah. know they were yeah, like yeah. and um so I did lots of radio and radio was going well but tv I couldn't really get much of a foot in the door because they still had this perception that I was just this gob on a stick yeah who'd just be you know shouty and, yeah. I, and, and I wasn't And I was doing lovely stuff on radio. Yeah. And it was almost a bit like, hello. And you know, my agent used to take me around to meet commissioners and stuff. No way. It was awful. She was like an aunt trying to sort of marry off. Yeah. Her, you know... Her niece. Her frumpy niece with a yeah. beard. Yeah. And it was awful. It was so embarrassing. But she was like, this is what you, you have to do. And I'm still with Mel now with that agent. Yeah. Same agent who was sw- swinging round a pole during my breakfast show in Ibiza on a <laughs> on a vodka and tonic at 7am, I might add. Um <laughs> And i tell you what happened, what was amazing was um, they h- asked me to host the Children in Need version of Sewing B. Yeah. And... um and I did that, and it went really well, and I loved it. And that's when people started to go because it was on BBC Two, and that's when people started going, Oh, yeah,
1: she's fine. She's not yeah.
2: sweary or shouty. She's actually quite warm and nice. Yeah. And I'd kind of been doing that on the radio. I'd been quite the warm whole time. and nice for yeah. quite a while on the radio. Yeah. And then Love Productions then made Great Pottery Throwdown and asked me to host, yeah. and I was. God, okay, who? I remember couldn't
1: believe it yeah, yeah, yeah so happy and it was such a lovely show yeah we need to talk about the change from well it's not a change because you still do your main job your day job mm. but I suppose the change to being an author when did you decide to write a book I can't remember what was that so well, obviously you wrote your memoir and that yeah was a I wrote the memoir success. yeah
2: I love my memoir I kept getting off it asked if I'd want to write parenting books <laughs>
1: I'm like
2: no Sarah's gagging just <laughs> if you, just, just if you're listening <laughs> That's so immature and it's sorry. Uh
1: like you know, like servers like Toxes, kooky guy to parenting, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Or I'm sure you were asked to write books about your fucking like the young adulthood, like but you can't yeah, remember me. any of that. I was
2: just like, oh my god, Zoe yeah. Ball's lawyers will be banged <laughs> <up> to me <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, and she we have an unspoken pact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zip it. So I was never going to do that, you know, a a memoir of like my work life and any sort of parenting thing. So when I did have meetings with publishers and stuff, you know, because my agent was like, you should think about it because you, 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 the way you are on the radio, that would transfer well to the written word in a memoir. And I talked a lot about the farm. Whenever I met anyone talking about what sort of book I'd do, I'd end up you know talking about growing up on the farm so that seemed the most natural thing to do and so yeah I wrote till the cows come home
1: but that was like such a pleasure yeah
2: because it's just your own story so it's all yeah. there
1: how do you feel about writing now like you're writing now you're a book you're you're a memoir oh, and a novel I mean, down you do you
2: get a little bit of sort of staying in your, in your own lane ism with trying to write a novel yeah but is
1: that coming from you yeah. cuz that's all no internal. One else. That's, all, that's
2: internal. all internal. Yeah. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, do you do you get a, did yeah. you get a touch of, of course. that? Of course.
1: Imposter syndrome.
2: Yeah. I think everybody gets a little bit of that when they're trying something new, I guess.
1: Yeah. Babe, do you have a plan? Like uh, like a long-term plan work-wise? If you say you're coming on 50 now. Let's mm. say in 10 years time. Do you still want to be doing telly? Do you still want to be doing radio? What's the...
2: would love still to be doing both. I would definitely love still to be doing radio, for sure. And I'd still like to be writing, really. And I'd still like my horse. Not the same horse.
1: Or she'd be a bit of a to-
2: record breaker. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. She'll be out to pasture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and hopefully I won't be. Yeah. Hopefully I'll still be where well. I... I mean, I can't imagine not working. I mean, I love it so much. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? As women, sometimes you were a bit... Because I fell into different jobs and different career changes, I've always been like, no, I'm not ambitious. You know, I've just, I've fallen into things. I've not had any plan. But actually, I do think I am quite ambitious.
1: Yeah, it's funny that it's it's. Mm. There's something uncomfortable about claiming that word as a woman. Why yeah, the fuck shouldn't you be allowed to be uh, ambitious? I know it's a little bit. If I think it's almost,
2: it's a bit like a dirty word. Sometimes it's almost framed up there with bossy a little bit. Yeah,
1: she's but very it's ambitious. it's also there's something. Dangerous. It's kind of connotations that come with it of kind of like competitiveness yeah. or yeah. A kind of
2: one-upmanship I would do anything to get where yeah. she's. Come. You know, like yeah. it's a bit.
1: Unseemly,
2: unladylike. And obviously, now I think that's absolute bullshit. Yeah. And uh, I think I am quite ambitious and I do want to, you know keep doing what I'm doing but I am you know as long as I get an hour or so every day to regress and ride around on my pony yeah you
1: need that and be with my dogs yeah you need the dog you need the animals I've never known anyone who's got <laughs> such a harem of animals well, as I've, you i've just bought a pizza oven cuz otherwise it was another cat
2: <laughs> or another dog you <laughs> just got another dog we can't get another do- i mean how many have you got
1: two two dogs three dogs no. three
2: dogs two cats two tortoises and a horse <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know. Three kids and a husband. I'm, I'm, my brain, I think, still is back on the childhood farm.
1: I just feel like you are, like, you thrive from having things to do and people to look after. And, mm. like, you're a nurturer by nature, or is that wrong? I don't know
2: if I'm a nurturer not. I think th- I'm a project person. Ah. So now, like, I'm like, I'm going to try and learn Italian. And, you know, it'd be nice to go off somewhere where no one will speak English to me in Italy. Yeah. And, um, but also, I think I'm quite a project person. So now I'm like, I bought this random pizza oven, and now I'm going to learn how to make the best pizzas in Northwest London. Well, I'm looking forward to the invite. You're going to come round and have some Puttanesca, please, babe. I'm not. Yes, I can do that. Mm. Not tuna. Olives, Olives and tuna. Bit of capers. I don't. Re- I mean, I'm not a big pizza eater. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I think <laughs> it's, it's not a dog. I don't know what. Yeah. It's, so it's not a dog.
1: What is the change you would still like to see moving forward? Like if, if anything, if you had to change something about your life or, you know, or, or if it's not your life, the world around you. Oh, God, that's, that's fucking vast though. That's too big, isn't yeah, It's it? a bit God. big. God. Yeah. It's a bit big.
2: So I'm just going to be selfish and go for something for me. I think. Yeah. It's easier. I think, I think the dream, I think, I still think very much, which I've said to Ben, oh, it's too, this won't happen. It's too late. But he was like, babe, not necessarily. What's a Once we've fully binned off the kids and they've left home, you know, I think for me, returning to a little farm is the dream, is the real dream. To be honest, joking aside, yeah, that's that's the dream one day when the kids are big and they've moved away and we'd rent the house out. And
1: what would Ben do on this farm?
2: Well, he's told me, you know, he's like, babe, if that's what needs to happen, I'm with you. So... We could find his inner farmer. <laughs> I mean, the first time we came up to me, dad's bless him, stood there in in some borrowed wellies by the bullpens in the drizzle. He was like, what the hell? <laughs> so we'll see. But I think that for me, not yet, but one day to be there. You remember when you came round the other week and I didn't think I looked that bad and you were like, you know, babe, in that outfit, I can really see you in the future on your farm in your scruff. <laughs> it was just a, bit, it was a pair of cro- Crocs. It was the Crocs, was it? A crocs, or fleece? a fleece. fleece and just a <laughs> yeah, nice faded play. jean. Fair play, quite an <laughs> ill-fitting jean. How's <Yeah. laughs> that Paula? Nice. right? Just going out it's, to a club. <laughs> it's farm chic. Farm chic, babe. But yeah, no, and that's when I'm in my happy. It's when I'm in my scruff. When um, I'm in my, you know, my little riding boots and my joddies and when I yeah. like, and I'm a, a bit smelly, you know, yeah. smell a bit of horse, and I've got a manky fringe, yeah. that's when, that's when I'm, that's when I'm really happy when I'm kicking about like that. So it'd be really nice if I could combine that with work carrying on, then that'd be the dream, I think. Okay, babe. Well, I wish you luck for the farm dream. I hope I can wish come and Ben look more <laughs> than me.
1: <laughs> I hope I can come and see you.
2: Hundred percent. We'll have putanesca. Putanesca pizza look and over the, pizza the fields. Oven. Yes,
1: yes, yes, ready. So it's nice. Thanks, babe. Thanks, darling. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much to Sarah Cox Of course you can hear her on radio too Every single day on drive time Go and check out her book as well It's called Throne and the Memoir If you want to hear more about that kind of bucolic Blissful childhood that she had on her parents farm Uh, And if you did enjoy this episode And you're just a fan of radio And you want to hear some more from broadcasters We've had some amazing broadcasters on this podcast actually Fern Cotton, Trevor Nelson and Louis Theroux Have all been on Changes this year So go and take a listen to those episodes if you fancy do please rate review and subscribe to changes it is so appreciated and if you fancy sharing it on social media too that would be amazing the more people we can get listening to these episodes the better we want to tell our stories far and wide changes is produced by louise mason through din productions and i'll be back next week with more see you then